I like your shirt. Yeah, I, I wore it. Ah! That bug got me, man. It's a big Whoa, it's a big one. Get it. Oh, I should be recording this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to uh, Iris Global Green Room. Yeah, quarantine edition. We are once again with our fearless leader Heidi Baker and I wore I wore my my Ralfonso shirt very uh, awesome they're limited edition awesome. oh, no no cool. you can't have one those of you who are watching you can have one Heidi I can get one for you but thank you everybody everybody else can't um yeah we uh we have a we have a special uh this this week and I'm very nervous because uh, Heidi, I didn't look at any of the questions. You guys submitted questions for Heidi to ask me. Uh, I haven't looked at them. She has them all. We sent them off to her. Uh, yeah, through, without me seeing them. And uh, you're gonna pick whatever you want and ask okay. away. At least that's the plan. How does that sound to you? I'm gonna ask Holy Spirit to show up right now. Let's do it. Is you definitely? gotta get filled up me too <laughs> we gotta control through it all yeah. so holy spirit i really do i thank you jesus that we can have a lot of fun and that we can just get filled up with your joy and your love and your presence and i ask you god just to fill up will right now to fill me up and lord to encourage people through these questions lord we know some of them are just really silly and some of them are really deep. And I just pray that we'll, um, we'll enjoy um, answering them and that you would anoint him with the answers and you would bless him and that people would just find the joy of the Lord, which is their strength in Jesus' name. Yeah. Yes. Amen. So I, I was told that some of them were kind of pared down. Some of the, there were some ridiculous ones and they cleaned them up. Um, but yeah, let's get through as many as you feel led to get through and, uh, and we'll go from there. How does that sound? All right. I love All it. All right. Here's, here's one. I want to start with this cause it's number one and I think it's a really good question. How did Will connect with, how did you, I'm going to ask you personally, mm -hmm. how did you will connect with Heidi and Roland and Iris? Wow. So that's a great question. Let me, yeah. So, uh, gosh, my first encounter, uh, with, with you and with Iris was a few years ago. And I don't know if you remember this, uh, uh microphone. Sorry. I'm a little flustered there. Something just went haywire, but I fixed it. Um, okay. Uh, this, I love this story because this one, this moment like changed my life forever. And it really, it marked a pattern where I eventually ended up moving into Mozambique. But uh, I was living in Paraguay. I'll go back just a little bit. As a missionary, um, I was a single guy running around uh, Paraguay watching God do miracles, just uh, crazy, crazy miracles. And Randy Clark heard about it. And so when I finished my time in Paraguay, I started traveling with Randy um, so I was living in Massachusetts. I moved to Pennsylvania to be an intern with him. And about five days, which was like, you know, you know, it's my dream. It was my dream at the time 
that, that I could, you know, spend time with Randy. And so, uh, I was so excited. Uh, five days after our, we moved out to Pennsylvania, we were at Life Center, Pastor Charles Stock's church. Shout out to, uh, Charles Stock. We love you. Yeah, and, uh, and they were holding Voice of the Apostles there. So I was a fresh intern running around, just, just doing bookstore and helping out anywhere that I could, nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. And I heard that there was this speaker there uh, named Heidi Baker and that I had to get to her session. And I remember pawning off uh, my bookstore duties on another intern. And I ran down. I sat on the floor. Uh, and this was this – was, Back in the days before they had their big sanctuary downstairs in the lower level, and I listened to one of the most purest gospel messages, give your life away for the poor, the sick, the needy, and the Holy Spirit fell on me powerfully. And I remember just weeping on the ground, crying out that God would use me in the same way that that I was hearing uh, during your message and the Holy Spirit just broke me. And I remember just weeping in a ball on the floor and, uh, you know, towards the end of your message. And uh, I don't know, I don't, uh, things kind of went blurry, as you know, they sometimes do when the Lord just crashes in on us. And I remember just being picked up off, you know, and like kind of held. Uh, and I opened up my eyes and you had your arms wrapped around me. I was a big boy. So I don't think you, you picked me up fully, but you, you wrapped your arms around me and you prayed for me. And uh, it marked me for days, for days. I could not, honestly, for the first week, I couldn't fall asleep uh, without seeing the faces of Mozambicans who I had never seen before in my, in my dreams. Um, and I made a decision five days after traveling with Randy that eventually, no matter what, uh, I was going to make it out to Mozambique, and three years later, uh, I, I left Global Awakening. I left Randy. I was newly married, and uh, Moosey and I moved out to Mozambique to serve uh, to serve the Lord on the field with you guys. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it all began. And there's a few other crazy stories in there, but that's the main gist of it. Yeah, I might ask you some of my own that are off. The I love list it. Go for, for it. Um, but I'll, I'll start with this. They said they saw you at the send and they wanted to know how did you learn to speak Portuguese? Ooh. Some people don't know about Mozambique and Portuguese, so go for well, it. Well, number one, I don't think I really speak Portuguese. I speak uh, Portuñol, which is a mixture of Portuguese and Spanish. And you're looking at uh, the person that really encouraged me to learn it, and that's that's you, Heidi. So I had a basic... Well, I failed Spanish one three times in high school. I got kicked out the third year. Um, basically, well, I don't want to go into that, but it was very, I was not a good kid. And uh, they basically said, I'm incapable of learning a language. And we're, we're going to allow him to graduate without taking two years of a language. And yeah, so I always believed that I couldn't learn a language. Um, and I, for, for really great reasons, my teachers said, so my guidance counselor said, so I had a special needs teacher at the time. And she was like, yeah, this kid, he's not, uh, he's not going to do it. He, he can't do it. So, uh, I moved to Paraguay my senior year of high school, the day my class was graduating. After you met Jesus. Yep. After I met right. Jesus, I moved to Paraguay, became a missionary, 
within two months. I just started uh, with basic uh, – there was a computer in the house that I was living at, and I couldn't communicate with them. So I would get on the computer, I'd type it in, and then I'd translate it. This is before Google Docs or Google Translate. And Microsoft – I'll never forget this. I was so blessed. Microsoft – office suite had a translator from Spanish to English. So I would write a paragraph out, translate it. And it went went on that way for about two months until I started picking up just basic phrases. Hey, I, me, want, just some basic words. And, and you, you know, coupling those with pointing at things and nodding and using a lot of uh, hand gestures, you know this, uh, people began to communicate. And I started Going back and forth within six months, I could, I could, you know, do basic teaching and preaching in Spanish. And then when I moved to Mozambique, uh, Spanish and Portuguese are very similar. And so I kind of converted. And you still, I mean, you still call me out on it in the most beautiful way because you speak Spanish too. I don't know. You speak a lot of languages. Um, and, uh, and so I, I still mix Spanish and Portuguese to this day. But I basically converted my Spanish over to Portuguese, and still, when I go and I when I'm talking with my mother-in-law uh, or my family, Musi's family in in Paraguay, I still mix it up. But after about five days, I get the rhythm and the flow, and I could switch back and forth. But yeah, those are the two languages that I attempt to speak. I think you do really well in both. I I just love that you have a heart and you try. <laughs> No, it's really awesome. A lot of people think um, in language, and I don't know many languages well, but I love just the experience of, of just learning. Yeah. And it connects with the people. And so whenever you you speak Portuguese, even maybe your grammar's not perfect, neither is mine. You know, maybe sotaki <laughs> isn't perfect, our accent or whatever, but... But people feel the love just because they enjoy the fact that you're trying. Yeah. And I think we humble ourselves, don't we? Uh, learning language is very humbling. It is. You know, we we have to humble ourselves and we sound like little kids. Um, but people love it and we laugh together and yeah. people are so willing to help if you just try to learn. And I... I just think it's awesome that you speak Spanish and Portuguese, and you're you're just getting better every time. Every time I hear you communicate, you're just always getting better and learning more words, and it's awesome. And people love it, so keep going. Well, you you've you've uh, you've really impressed on me the value. So I you know I I just survived, but after sitting under you, you know, being in the mission school and going through some of the classes, you know, as I'd be teaching or listening to you, you actually, this is something you really talk about. And it's, it's very important. A lot of people want to become missionaries, but they don't want to take time to learn the, the language of the people that they're ministering to. And the reality is you can't, you can't actually communicate your heart through a translator. I mean, you can, if they're spectacular, but, but you know, I, just being really honest, when I took the stage in um, in Sao Paulo at Murumbi Stadium, seventy thousand people were there. I I talk like a you know a three year old maybe, and and it's and it's humbling. It's not. I don't speak well. I don't speak right. But I would rather cry out and connect with people 
uh, uh, just a little bit than than and and show people that I care enough yes, about their nation and their language to just try, and that that does more than giving the most eloquent sermon with the greatest translators in the world. I, I feel so. I would rather be vulnerable and take a risk and and look foolish in front of well, you know, those videos have gone now to millions. Yes, yeah, I so, agree with you. Yeah, and 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 you've you've always modeled that, Heidi. Uh, whether it's with the Makua or the Makanda, we lost you. She's she's gone, but I'll just keep talking. I'm here, no, I know here. you're still there. So whether it's Makua or Makandi, I, I I've watched you. My dog Mimi got trapped in the room, and she was upset. <laughs> it's real life here. We're not. It is. We don't have a slick studio. No. This is. Like, <laughs> but I think you do well, and people do connect. And wherever I go, even if I learn six words, ten words. Mm-hmm. I rather at least greet people in their language. So yeah. um, Jesus, as a baby, he learned a language, didn't he? He didn't just come out of the womb and right. say, I, I'm perfect in every way, even though he was perfect in every way. He st- still humbled himself, and he was born as a baby, and he learned language. Yeah. And it's so important for us, if we travel, if we're cross-cultural, um, to get in there and, and at least learn some language. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. So I, really, I, I learned a trick blessed. from you, Heidi. Uh, it, I'll watch you and you'll preach and you'll be making a point. That's if it's in another language, a language that you don't speak. And you'll be making a point and the translator will, will enunciate that point, right? And and I watch you. You will repeat it. You'll listen to the translator and then just repeat it with that same heart and passion. And even just those little moments where you just go, you say a phrase that was just translated, and it's coming out of your mouth. It, pe- it people connect so deeply with it. So uh, I think it's so important. And especially if you want to get into missions, you got to learn language. And it's not impossible. Uh, everybody can do it. I know. 80-year-olds that have learned languages. I know, yeah, little kids that learn languages and missionary kids. Some of our uh, amazing missionary kids, they speak they speak just like uh, the locals, and, it, and, and they connect with them on a level that it's impossible if you're just, if you're just uh, yeah, using a translator. Yeah, and, and the other thing is it does, you don't have to speak perfectly. The process is a beautiful part of the journey. Right. So, um, like, also appreciate the gifts in people. Some people, it's really easy for them, and so cheer them on in that. But others, it's a little more challenging. Yeah. You know, we we have two natural-born kids, and um, I remember just Crystalline being totally fluent (laughs) in Portuguese. She was totally fluent in Cantonese, and then she was totally fluent in Portuguese and still speaks really well. Whereas Elisha, he was he was fluent in Indonesian, we put him in local school. Then he was fluent in Cantonese, but then he came home one day and he just said, how many languages are there? And, <laughs> and you realize that different people have different um, personalities. Yeah. And I think that's okay too. Totally. So just be blessed at whatever pace you you go at but just enjoy the process so here's another one i'm ready what's your favorite country to travel to to minister minister in 
Make sure you get this right, Will. Well, of course, there's only <laughs> one. Uh, there's many distant ones, but uh, uh, Mozambique is number one. Uh, after oh. after Mozambique, Pemba specifically uh, being with you and Roll and <laughs> Heidi specifically that's number one. Uh, honestly, no no joke. Uh, uh, you know, I for me, I lived in Mozambique, so it wasn't like I don't look at it as a travel one. I look at it as a, a second home. I look at it. You know, my kids, uh, two of my my two oldest kids were born there. My sister has lived there for a long time. She's in the States right now. But, you know, I look at it as a as a second home. It's more of a homecoming than a travel. But but the Mozambique is stunning. It's stunningly beautiful. The people are so warm, so loving. Uh, they will give you the shirt off their back uh, without even asking for it. It's 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 amazing. Uh, but sep- honestly, separate from Mozambique, I've lived there. Separate from Paraguay, where I've lived, um, I have fallen in love with kind of the Asian countries. So, um, uh, you know, I love Singapore. I love uh, Thailand. I love uh, Taiwan. I, you know, Indonesia. I've recently I've fallen in love with with Indonesia. The the there's so much joy. There's so much beauty in the natural. I'm a, I'm a little bit of a foodie, uh, and I love experiencing cultures through food, whether that's, uh, yeah, like local, local, local cuisine, bat, not bats. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, you know, I haven't done that, but I've done rats and I've done, you know, tarantulas and scorpions and, you know, just Ooh. getting involved in the country. You've eaten some crazy stuff. I've eaten some crazy stuff in Mozambique, Heidi. Um, oh yeah, but no, I, we, we do, we do. I love, I love that. I, I've really fallen in love with with Asia, and a part of it was Moosey and I thought we would actually moved moved to Thailand uh, years ago, and so I, I, I've, 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 I've had that heart for Asia, Thailand, uh, for a long time, and yeah, I, I love visiting there. I love traveling there in India too. Like, there's something so precious about India. Um, the people, uh, the food, the culture. Uh, I just love it. One of my favorite uh, verses um, is when Paul landed on the island of Malta. It said, the people greeted us warmly. And I find that to be so true. Um, you know, you, you, you might not know it. It might be totally different culture, but 99% of the time, people are there with open arms and the warmer climates, especially some of the colder ones, they're a little bit more closed off. But uh, but I love I love the, the yeah going to the warmer Asia places. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I know I know you told me a lot. You love Brazil. Brazil I, seems to be super on your heart. Too. I do. It's so funny because I you know when and you know this better than I, you would know this better than I. But I find like when I've lived you know, in a place, I think of it as a second home. I've been to Brazil 50, over 55 times, you know, I uh, was right next door to Paraguay. And so I, I actually like, I just feel at home in those places anyway. Um, I could go through the list of all the nations I've been to and, and I'm forgetting all these wonderful Cuba. Oh my goodness. Cuba was so spectacular. I went there with Leif Hetland. Uh, I haven't been back since, but oh, fell in love with Cuba. I, Heidi, that's a hard question to ask because it doesn't matter where I go. Nine times out of ten, I'm falling in love with the people. I'm falling in love with the culture, regardless of what it is or regardless of the wealth of the nation. 
I, I just I I totally love just exploring new places and learning learning about new cultures. Yeah, I've watched you. You just I know you love people, and and that's really easy to see. You just you're friendly, and and I don't think it's nine out of ten. Actually, I've I've seen you hit a ten out of ten every place I've ever been with you. You seem to find joy there, and um, I I love I love it because you're very cross cultural, and I think that's why God trusts you with with traveling because you do love the people and um, food's a really important thing mm-hmm. um, by the way like if you can't eat the food of another culture yeah you're pretty much done unless you're on a 40-day fast <laughs> which i know you you just finished one and those are wow <laughs> you know i we all feel those when you when god calls you to one of those um yes you do that for the glory of god but if you're not on a fast, then enjoying the food with yeah. the people where you're ministering is is really huge, and it helps you connect, doesn't it? Yeah, just connect with the people. One one of the things that I find there's there's a lot of different languages, but there's there's one thing. Well, there's a couple, but in my for me, there's one thing that I is universal no matter what nation. If you can find how to make people laugh. You, yeah. you, you can enter into almost any culture. If you can laugh with somebody, if you can, if you can mourn with somebody and meet, uh, meet them where that, but if you can make somebody laugh, it doesn't matter whether they're closed off, whether they're shut down. If you can get them to open up their heart for a moment and make somebody laugh and, 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 and figure out what makes a nation laugh. Oh, it's so much fun. And sometimes that's just being a self-deprecating American. You know, sometimes that's, you know, uh, poking at some cultural uh, issues or things and, you know, uh, things that, that, that shake a culture. But if you can find out um, what, makes, what makes people laugh, you can, you can get into almost any culture. Yeah, that's right. I love it. And that's what learning language does because you mispronounce everything. Yes. Especially if you're 25, 30, 40, where... I mean, you're you're sounding like a two-year-old at first. At least I know I am. Um, and people burst out laughing. Yeah. And if you can laugh with them, you've already won their hearts, you know. And so, yeah, that's huge. That's I'm, such a good. I I am remembering a story of, and it, this went on for so long. I would call eggs an inappropriate body part, and I thought I was saying eggs. I was like, hey, I, what do you want for breakfast? I'd be like, I want eggs, but I was saying. Is something inappropriate. And for, you know, months I would say, they would ask me what I want for breakfast. I'd say eggs or whatever. And they would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And I learned the language through making major mistakes and getting, and people give you so much grace. You know, they, they do, they get it. And they love, they love entering in the journey with you. My wife, she speaks five languages. She says stuff that I, for a season, I kept a list like she she would be trying to say hummingbirds and she'd say humblebees like to this day i have i have trademarked humblebee you know like i i i bought a a, a domain that had that cuz i just i love the fact that she's trying and uh and i and i love those and people really enjoy those 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 moments so i i just think it's it's so much fun i have an egg story too you do, you do i want to hear have it an egg story. yes for 
about four years, the kids, they never told me this till years later. Maybe it was three, but it felt like forever. Um, I would say, fecha ovos. Fecha ovos. Cada um, vamos fechar ovos. And the kids would like, they'd be one eye and they'd be. <laughs> and later I'd be, I'd get upset, like, fecha ovos. And, and I was trying to say, fecha ovos. Fecha seus ovos. But I said, close your eggs. To this day, the kids that know me really well or that we adopted, they always say that all the time. Close your eggs, close your eggs. And so, yeah, we both have an egg story. I, there I, you go. I still do this. I get up in Mozambique and even if it's at night, I go, bon dia, todos. And everybody like, it's basically <laughs> saying good morning. Like I, I, I never learned how to say good afternoon or good evening. I just say good morning everywhere I go. So it'll be nine o'clock at night. Good morning. You know, and people, I still get made fun of that. Like, uh, some of our missionaries, kids, they, they will walk up to me, not say anything. I'll just, they'll just go bon, bon, bon dia to do. And they, uh, yeah. Anyway, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a good sense of humor. And uh, you gotta you gotta embrace those moments. I love it. I'm the I'm the Bongia guy. Good for you. And why did you grow that beard, Will? Oh well, it's a. <laughs> is that a question from you, or was that on the paper? It's on the paper. Um, actually, there is a little bit of a story behind it. Um, I I have never I've had a baby face my whole life. You've seen it. Uh, I've never, ever once gone more than four or five days without shaving. And we have a stop for the one program. And I like to have fun with our with our amazing team. And I, you know, I'll try to do some crazy things. And we were hitting a milestone in stop for the one. We were close to this big thing. And, you know, you've been growing uh, stop for the one or you know, we've been putting it out there and the Lord's just blessed it, but we were reaching this huge milestone. And, and as it was coming up, I, 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 I told the staff, I said, listen, when we reach this mile marker and stop for the one with how many people we've invested in and how many lives we're touching, I said, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to either, you know, I'll grow a beard out for you guys, which I'd never done. Like, and I didn't even know if I could. And, or I said, I would do something a little crazy at the, uh, at Bethel schools, uh, playground, which is right behind our office. And they thought I might get tackled by security if I did the crazy thing. So everybody agreed on growing the beard. And, uh, and so as, as we were leading up to it, I decided to, uh, to, to do it for, um, yeah, as celebration for our, for our stop for the one program with, cool. with Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay bird, uh, runs that. And I just, I just think the world of her and I don't know, you, 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 you do such a great job with this, Heidi, but you know, those moments with staff where you're vulnerable and goofy and just having fun. And it's those little things that, that the team remembers. It's like even the shirt, right? This was, uh, I had these made for our family fun day with, with our, with our U S staff that, that could come, uh, to Reading and we just do a day of games and fun. We divided it up to two teams, you know, uh, uh, team Ralfonso and team Heidi and, and, uh, Some people don't even know. I call Roland Ralfonso. I know. I, we, we yeah. thought it, I, I love it. And I, you know, I just, it's those little things, whether it's growing your beard out for staff or, or making t-shirts and, 
you know, I, I, I would do games. We did a truck pull and I give them, if they win, they get a hundred bucks. And just, it's those little moments with staff and team that pull you together. Um, so when you, when you do enter difficult, you know, times or you got to work hard, you, you know, people, they're not just doing it for the job. They're doing it for the job, for the mission, but also part, part, partially for community. And it's those times of building community. So I did this. And, and, and Moosey wanted it a little bit and then she didn't want it. And, but now she's stuck with it. So I, I, I called Heidi up. I'll, I'll just tell you guys, I, cause Heidi, a lot of you guys don't know this about Heidi, but she, she loves a nice haircut. Okay. You do, you do. I, and I love this about, I always get a fresh haircut before I see you. I always, you know, and so does Sean. Sean's our COO. We're like, oh, we're going to be with Heidi. <laughs> Time to go get a haircut. And, I didn't and, even know Sean did that, but I always noticed. Oh, we, no. It, yeah. And that's why, like, I think it's, we, we know you, we love you. We care about the things that you care about. Oh. And it's really important. It, it, we, we stand in front of a lot of people. And, and so uh, I know oh, that, the I, do you remember when I shaved my head, Heidi? When I was living in Mozambique. Oh, we lost her. There she is. She's back. Do you remember when I shaved my head in, in Mozambique, Heidi? Like completely shaved it. Are you there? Can you hear me? <gasps> we lost her. Uh Oh, can you hear me? Are you there? No, maybe Heidi, you're scratching. Your, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm here. Okay. We lost you for we, a minute. We lost you for a minute. But uh, do you remember when I shaved my head in Mozambique? Do you remember that? I, I, in a moment of of whatever, I shaved all my head off, my hair off. Sweet. It's very hot. Yes. It's very hot here. And you're uh, probably super hot. And you were like, you were so great. You're like, Will, you don't, don't do that again, honey. You're like, just don't do it. You have gorgeous blonde hair. And, and so I knew when I grew this out, I hadn't seen you in a couple months. And uh, so I called you up. I said, Heidi, I did something crazy. And I went over, over the top. Like, and I made it sound like I dyed my, my hair pink. I said, I did something crazy. I don't want you to freak out when you see me. And, and I like definitely went over the top. And you said, what? What is it? I need to know. Tell me. What did you do? And I was like, I, I grew a beard out. You were like, that's fine. I like that. And then, uh, yeah, it's become a thing. <laughs> it's a little long right now in quarantine. I'm going to take it down. I don't know how long I'm going to have it for. But uh, I just saw I'm, – I'm a little chatty right now. I just saw a picture. Uh, we celebrated my mother and father's 43rd anniversary. And I saw their wedding photos for a long time. I haven't seen them in 20 years. And my dad had a big red beard. And, uh, and so I, I finally put it together that that's where I got it from. But yeah, there you go. stop for the one. Stop for the one. I like it. (laughs) Um, okay. There's so many here. I'm looking at the time. We've got like 10 more minutes. Yeah. Um, hmm. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Will, for bringing back the green room. Who? would be your dream guest for the podcast. Oh man. Who would be my dream guest? Wow. That's a great question. I've never thought about it. 
Um, so every the the green room was started just because I was having amazing conversations with people in the back rooms and the green rooms of conferences. And they were conversations that were never public. And I love just doing this. I love sitting, talking, hearing, learning. Normally, I'm the one asking questions. So this is a little awkward for me. But um, so everyone that I try to get on, I have I try to have some sort of relationship with. I don't just try to get random strangers or promote books or whatever. I just I just I find that that natural relationships uh, are best on, you know, on these sorts of interviews. Um, who would be my dream person, uh, living or dead? It didn't say. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go. I not- think we could say either one. Okay. So now, even though we don't speak to the dead, just saying we don't. Speak <laughs> no, to the don't dead. No, we. No. <laughs> we don't. But honestly, I, don't. I've thought about this. There's, of course, there's, there's, I would love to sit down with Paul, but I honestly, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Mary. And I know that freaks people out, but I'll tell you why. Here's the reason why. She was chosen by God to carry the Savior of the world. And the Bible says that she was highly favored, highly favored amongst all other people. And I want to know what a 13, 14, or 14 through 16-year-old girl is like, what, what she does in order to have that much favor on her life. You don't really, you don't get to find out a lot about her personality, but, but, but there was something on her life where God looked down and said, I'm going to release the salvation of the world through this, through this womb in this, in this young woman. And I would love to hear what makes her tick. I think, uh, yeah, I've always, I've always wanted to know, yeah, what was she like? And, uh, and why, why, why did God choose her? And I, I just think a conversation with her would be amazing. You'll get that in heaven one day. I know, day. I know. I was, um, I wrote a book actually about, a little bit about what I kind of saw in her birthing the miraculous mm-hmm. and i know she's she was the only one who will ever carry the son of god that's a one-time thing um but there was something even on her song remember mary's song and there was something she was moved in great humility and she yielded herself so zachariah was told to have this he was going to um have a child with his wife and he was way past the age. She was past the age. He was past the age. And he, he did not agree. And he was like, didn't have any faith, but the child was still born. Interesting kind of theological side to this. Even though he had no faith for it, he cooperated in some way, obviously. Um, and then the baby was born. John was born. Whereas Mary, this little teenage Jewish virgin, um, was was visited by the same angel Gabriel, and she said, "Be it unto me, yeah. be it unto me, according to your will." Yeah. And I think that's just powerful. Um, heaven, heaven's going to be such an amazing experience with Jesus. First of all, just face to face, face to face with the Father, face to face with Jesus. Just Holy Spirit, 
completely, utterly filling us everywhere at all times, but also the people that we're going to get to communicate with and and reconnect with. So heaven's real. Yeah. So I love that you picked somebody who's already gone ahead. And um, I think that's awesome. I, Heidi, um, I don't, I don't, I know that we're, I, I just, I think that there's something really beautiful that God chose a, a woman and he could have, uh, this is the Lord. He could have done it anyway. He really could have. He, but he chose, like you said, a humble woman, and uh, and when he when he rose from the dead, he revealed himself to these amazing women that served him. And I I don't know I I just feel like you know you model you model the passion. There's a lot of guys out there, but the, but very rarely do you get to hear the voice of powerful, anointed, chosen women of God. And I just like for me, I I don't know. It I I would love to do that. And then second on that list would be Moses. I, I was infatuated with Moses and the relationship that he had with the Lord. And uh, and yeah, so those those two. And and I and I mean that just because they were so close, right? They were so favored. They had so much relationship with God. And uh, yeah, those would be those would be my two, my top two. That's that's awesome. Um, I want to ask this one here. There's so many. Um, there's so many good ones. We'll have to do this another time. I would we'll have love to that. take some more, more of these another time. Uh, but it says, "What is the craziest miracle you've ever seen?" That's a hard one um, because there's different levels to the miraculous, and I'm. I, I used to just immediately say, you know, the, the, the crazy, the craziest thing. Uh, but, but I, and I'm doing this intentionally now um, with my life as, as I've listened to people and as I've listened to people that maybe don't agree theologically, um, the greatest miracle is salvation. It, it, is, it, is, it is the greatest yeah. miracle. Jesus, yes. the redemption of sins. The, the forgiveness of sins and the redemption of his blood, the, that is the miracle. Uh, uh, separate from that, uh, it's all for nothing. So that is the greatest miracle. And when I, when I watch people give their lives and the Holy Spirit convicts that, that, that moment of brokenness, love, joy, uh, forgiveness, uh, that, is, that, is, that shapes me. Um, but probably the question that these guys are asking is more like maybe healings or the supernatural, the miraculous. I got a laundry list of crazy things that I've seen. Um, some of the ones that I remember, nine-year-old girl, uh, it was the first deaf ear I saw opened up. Her name was Rebe, deaf from birth. Um, I prayed for her for about 45 minutes, uh, on and off. So disappointed. I would pray for 20 minutes, leave come back, pray for 20 minutes, leave. And finally, after the third time, uh, I watched God pop open her, her completely deaf ears as she spoke for the first time. And, and her, her aunt brought her and, uh, her aunt screamed just, you know, you know, when, Oh, you know, when you see the miraculous and it's just overwhelming and the, and the, 
the fear of the Lord comes in. It's not just, oh, I, well, I had this pain and it's gone, and that's amazing. God does that. But, you know, entire lives changed, entire family trees changed <laughs> in a moment. And she screamed <laughs> out of fear, uh, but in joy at the same time. Uh, Rebe, there was a boy in Paraguay that was wow. in a coma. Isn't it the best? Yeah. I, I, I went I into love a, it when death here. Yeah, is, it's, it's, and, I mean, you've it's seen it more than I have. I'll, ooh, there's just a couple. Just let me just rattle off a couple of these. I watched you. Uh, and I, this is forever sealed in my mind. Oh, forever. Like, I watched this kid brought in on, on the back of his mother. This is in, in Cabo Delgado. This is in Pemba 16, 17 years ago. And I watched you. The child had never walked. Pick, pick him up off of his mom's back and place him on the stage. And he began to run across the stage. Um, I, I That was one of the first kind of like faith, radical faith, where it wasn't just like, hey, we're going to pray. How you doing? You were just like, nope, you're going to walk. Boom. The kid just took off and the the the, <laughs> the village just erupted. I, I, I will never forget that. Uh, a boy, 12 years old, in a coma for two months in Paraguay. Uh, they did brain surgery. They made scrambled eggs out of his brain. And I snuck into the hospital. I shouldn't have done it. You're not allowed to sneak into hospitals. Uh, and I found his room, prayed for him. The doctors walked in after a few minutes and uh, kicked me out. I ran because I, I didn't want to get arrested. Uh, so I ran, and I got a phone call a half hour later from the father. He had sat up out after we left. He sat up. Two liters of water drained from his brain, and he was moved out of intensive care into normal care. Within four days, I believe, he was walking out of the hospital with his father. They were pulling life support that day. Um, and because of that, the president of Paraguay found out about it. And I ended up in the white house ministering to the first lady and all the dignitaries, um, who, and who one of them had cancer and she got healed. I, I just was in Brazil and a woman, she came running up to me and her hair, uh, was a lot longer than it was the last time I saw her. But when I saw her, she was diagnosed with two forms of cancer, um, stage five, breast cancer, both of her breasts were removed, um, and she was getting worse. And I, and I sat in the green room and prayed for her for about 45 minutes. And, uh, she came running up to me, just wrapped her arms around me when I was in Brazil after the send. And I have a picture up on my Instagram of the before and after, and, uh, she was radically healed. There's so many as I, I, I mean, I could, I could literally go on for hours, but I've seen crazy stuff. Oh man, one in Brazil, we cleared out the whole church. It, it it stunk up the whole church. But as I prayed for a woman with cancer, it literally just fell out of her body onto the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's stuff like that. Those are some of the crazy ones where where the meeting was shut down because of this mass on the floor. And you know, people that are listening, they could, yeah, I, they could say and think whatever they want. But I know those moments that mark lives and see people get healed of cancer. And, you know, when, when you see the fruit, when you hold somebody in your arms who is dying and they're alive and their children are there and their husband is there giving all the praise to Jesus, I, I don't care what critics think. I, I, all I want to do is be a tool in his hands. Randy Clark, uh, my, one of my spiritual fathers, he modeled this to me. He would stop and pray for a long time. 
and press in longer. Randy would go sometimes till two in the morning, an hour, two hours, three hours. And I think sometimes in our culture, we're just pray and be done and, uh, but, but press in and press in longer than others. And, and I don't understand it. I'm not the healer. He is, but, but sometimes we get to witness his hand move greatly. And those moments, um, uh, they, they're sealed in my memory. And I have a lot of moments too, Heidi, and it's, I hope you're okay with me saying this, but I have a lot of moments where I've seen nothing and I've buried, I've buried people and I've, and I've wept on the bed uh, with, with moms and dads that, whose daughter is dying. Uh, and and I've, I've seen people pass as I've prayed for them. I don't understand it. I don't. The, and the more I do it, the more I pray, the less I understand. I know he is good. I know he heals and I am not the one that gets to choose that. He is. And so I, yeah. I think that's really important to share, Will, because some people out there, they think we only just see miracles every time, all the time. And, and we don't see miracles every time, all the time. We do see, I've had children die in my arms. Um, I know your sister has had children die in her arms in yeah. Mozambique and um, other places too. I've gone to the hospital. I've seen people healed off the ventilators, like they were dying. No hope, healed. But I've also gone into hospitals, and and just really prayed and knew they were about to go into the heavenly realm forever, yeah. eternity, and had to tell the family that I really sense they're going home and make your peace with them and that upsets some people because they think it's only going to be one way all the time but the fact is we need to remember for sure jesus is the healer we're not the healers jesus is the healer and we're his little people and it is such a joy and a privilege when his power moves through us but he also wants us to comfort those who mourn yeah. and to be there and comfort family members. I, I know praying for autistic kids sometimes and just the Lord helping me just to connect with the child and hug them. And they, a lot of autistic kids, they, you just you don't want to be hugged. And just spending an hour or so connecting with that child and just blessing the parents that they're good parents because sometimes parents feel like what did I do wrong and why did that one get healed and I didn't see the same thing and so I think what you shared there with the the times people don't get healed is super important because we we keep loving and love looks like something it also looks like comforting parents who may be taking care of a very disabled child. Yeah. And that's a miracle too, that God gives them such supernatural love and compassion. And they need prayer with patience. And that child is beautiful as well yeah. in a unique way. So we yeah. want to let people know. I mean, we have, as you know, in um, we're trying to get all the kids into homes. Yeah. Very, very super working on that as a team with all of you but um, we still have uh, homes for children who are very severely disabled and you think with all the miracles we've seen and we have seen kids 
paralyzed kids and yeah. jelly bodies, you know, complete no muscle tone, get up and run. I mean, it's just glorious. Hundreds of deaf ears over the ear, over the years, uh, blind eyes, but we still build homes for blind people. Right. Today, um, Shafim, who you know, one yeah. of our amazing leaders of mercy, he was like, oh, he was late for something else on the glory base. And he's like, mom, don't, we're, we're late because we were building um, a bridge for, um, for, for, for Pedro. And um, it was because he's blind and there was a river that went through where, where his house is. And we prayed for him over and over and over, Patricio, we call him. Some people call him Pedro, but Patricio. And he's an amazing intercessor. And But he still doesn't have eyes to see in the natural. But these brothers built him a bridge, you know, with with our mercy program there. And um, I don't know. I just think people need to see every human being. Yeah. created in the image of God and love them well because in in heaven there will be no sickness, no right. sorrow, no poverty, no suffering. But on this earth, we it's the only place we can demonstrate faith. It's the only place we can pray for the sick. Yep. We won't have that opportunity ever again. Right. When we're in heaven, that's it. There, we'll never pray for the sick again. We'll never feed the poor again. We'll never build a bridge for somebody crawling down the bank of a river to get home. Yeah. We'll never do that again. We get to do those things on this earth right now. We'll never visit somebody in a hospital. So um, I think the way you answered that's super important for people to hear. Because I think with our movement, people really look at Iris and so, well, they see so many miracles, and they they kind of mark they mark our movement with those miracles, and those miracles are awesome. But they need to understand that as a movement, we're very much about caring for the broken, the sick, the dying, the hurting, yeah. and it's we don't see every single person healed, yeah. but we can show the love of God. So. Yeah. The, yeah, that was really important. Heidi, let me, if I could just, well, you, you walked through my wife having cancer with, with, with Absolutely. us. And, yes. you know, I've seen cancer healed many times as, as have, as have you, you know? And so yeah. it hits, it hits my, my home. Right. And stage four, stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was, she had a, a, a high percentage of, of, of passing away from the sickness and disease. And I and I've seen the miraculous, right? And this is the tension. And I think, and and there's a lot of great, you know, great messages and great teaching. Randy, Randy's, uh, you know, goes into this stuff very, very deep. Yeah. But the 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 hardest part for me in my faith is not whether he heals or not. It's how do you navigate that tension of not seeing what you know to be true coming to pass, right? How do you change your relationship with the Lord? Does your faith change if you're not seeing what you know is truth happening in front of you? So with my wife, I know that God heals, right? I, I've seen him do it. I know he loves my wife, right? 
and 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 you 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 mentioned a little bit about this. People started coming out of the woodwork, and they started. I, I actually kept a list just because I'm a teacher and I like to you know I I take these moments and I learn from them. But I had a list of 60 different reasons that people sent me. You know, the Lord told me that your wife has cancer for this reason. Your wife has cancer for that reason. If you do this, it's she has cancer because, you know, you're a false prophet. She has cancer because you, uh, you know, you travel too much. She has cancer because, you know, demons. And, and there was this list of 60 different things that people said the Lord was telling them. And, and you know, you can get bombarded. And I know a lot of people listening to this whether they're struggling with sickness, they're struggling with a family member with sickness, there's all of this stuff. And the enemy and, and guilt and shame, they, they, they jump in and, and they start saying, well, it's because of this or because of you. Or, and, and sometimes there are things, forgiveness, repentance, that has to take place. But, but that tension, right, of knowing truth, knowing that he's good, knowing that he heals, knowing that he loves, not seeing it happen. I, I remember... One of the one of the low points that I had was I'm crying out in tongues over my wife as she's screaming in pain as this tumor is 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 pushing her sternum and her rib cage out and I'm and I'm putting uh, painkillers down her throat uh, as I'm crying out in tongues and I and I and I remember just as this happened I'm I'm weeping I'm praying I'm praying for healing and I'm and I'm putting this medicine in my wife. And I and I just I took a snapshot of that in my mind, and I said, "This is crazy, right? This is crazy. Everything that's happening right now is going against the way that I thought it should go." And I never forget. I'll never forget the Lord, like in that moment, just smiling. And I'm not because I was doing things right or wrong. I just remember His presence being there in the middle of the struggle, and. And, and just going, you know what, I don't get this, I don't understand it, but regardless of what happens, Lord, I will serve you, I will worship you, regardless, even if you take my wife, or even if my wife is taken from me. I, it's funny, even the phraseology of how I say it, people can nitpick on that. You know, and, I, and for me, I love him, I trust him, and I, will, and I will navigate those seasons with him. And just everybody that's maybe going through something like that, know that he draws near to the broken he draws near to those who are hurting it's just the word of god and and if you are going through that tension of 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 not knowing not seeing what you know to be true coming to pass just lean in surround yourself with with the body when my wife was going through cancer i i watched the body of christ just surround her yourself and many around the world just begin to cry out and pray and we didn't see the miraculous uh, she's healed, right? And and I and I attest that to prayer. I attest that to the the amazing doctors that we had. I I, I look at all of it and I go I go. She's she That's is correct. healed. Yeah. But I uh, yeah. Don't run away from that tension. There is tension in the scripture. There's tension in our walk with the Lord. There's tension in in seeing suffering and there's tension in there. And Jesus is who He is, regardless of what's going on. And so lean into him, press into him, and know that there's a body of believers that are around there that are exactly in the same place that you are. Find them, connect with them, and encourage each other in the Lord, as the Bible calls us to do. And I found just as much grace and love in his presence in the phone calls from you, in the phone calls from people around the world, in, in, in people who, who, who are just going, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. 
I'm in this boat with you and I'm going to run alongside. And so, yeah, I, I, uh, anyway, I, maybe I'm just going on a little bit of a rant, but I, no, I just, yeah. Hey, Will, I feel like asking, um, you just, just a bit, it's, I know it's a really personal question. It's not on the list. I'm an here. open book. Um, but I know that your dear father-in-law, um, father-in-love just passed away yeah. and that you're about to take a week off just to be with your family and your children and just, um, in the, in the midst of the COVID crisis in the fact that Moosey can't go home and, um, she couldn't go home and, and be there for the memorial, the funeral of her father. And um, just, you know, no, I'd like just a bit of memorial. Just tell us a little bit about his journey and him coming back to faith. And just, just that we would spend um, the last few minutes on this green room just remembering him. And I, I feel that in honor of Moosey because um, I, I think it's really important to be able to have that memorial time and, and for people to, to just reach out and, and uh, love on the ones who are left behind as their loved ones are, are passing, especially this time when we can't, we can't go um, to another country. So I just want you to share a little bit about him and yeah. and um and and just praying for for you and Lucy and thank the you. family. Oh, thank you Heidi. So I'm going to be a little careful just because um it's this is it, it, it's my wife. I would love her to share her sides and 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 I want to make sure that I honor my wife and in this, oh, no, uh, so beautiful. but I will. Beautiful. I'm gonna. I wanna. I just wanna. I, I wanna bring people in on this journey a little bit. Um, so two days ago, uh, or three days ago today, it's just been a blur these last few days. Uh, we woke up three in the morning. Phone call uh, that my wife's father had passed away. It was sudden. Um, it wasn't from uh, the COVID that they know of. Um, he was. He was, nobody actually knows his true age because uh, he was this famous, famous singer in Paraguay. And he wanted to get started singing at a young age. And so he changed his birth certificate like multiple times so, to allow him to go to different countries and sing. Uh, amazing man, larger than life. Um, I, I shared, I wrote, I wrote a little bit of a, of a tribute to him. And I shared the story of when we had gotten married. Moosey and I got married, and he was unable to come to the wedding. But it was my first trip out there, first trip uh, seeing her, his oldest daughter, you know, with, with another, uh, with a man she had never dated before. So I, I show up at the house. I sit down on the couch, and he sits down, and he passes me a glass. He says, we're going we're gonna to spend time together. And I said, okay, and I barely spoke Spanish, and... And he just sits there quietly, flipping through the news, turns on the, turns on the news, and I'm just sitting there not knowing whether I'm going to get, you know, this big talking, you know, uh, you know, all these rules in Spanish. I just, I had no idea. And he points to the TV, and there he is on the, on the news from earlier that day sitting with the president 
of Paraguay. Can you tell everyone his name? So yeah, can... his name his name was Alberto de Luque, which actually is his stage name. Everybody knows him as Alberto de Luque, uh, but his real name was was Vitalino. But they his his managers they said that's not a stage name, so they changed it to Alberto de Luque, which means you know Alberto of this town called Luque in, in Paraguay. And uh, and he sat there and. I'm watching him with the president, and he turns to me, and he goes, he gives me a thumbs up. He goes, that's who your father-in-law is. And I was super intimidating, super uh, – uh, it wasn't done in a prideful way. It was done like, hey, you're a part of a big family, and you're a part of this family now, and, and I want you to know that this, this is the favor that's on this family. And I, I, I had such a wonderful time with him and his, his wife – Heidi, something really interesting happened yesterday. I got sent a video uh, from a pastor, Pastor Emilio Breu, pastors Centro Familiar de Doração. It's the largest church in Paraguay. Amazing man. Um, he sent a video to me, and Musi had not seen it, my wife. I, we had never seen it before. But about two, three months ago, he shot a testimony. Um, some Christian organization called him up. And he shared this testimony. We watched it. Musi and I watched it together and wept. Because in the testimony, he said, he said this. He said, my wife and I were, were getting divorced. And Musi didn't know this. Uh, we were about to get divorced. Um, and my, my daughter, um, Musi, came up to me and said, hey, will you come to church tonight? And he went. He hadn't gone to church in years. And, and was, was, was not walking with the Lord, you know, anybody that's, that's in the eye of the, you know, that's in on stage and there's a certain amount of challenges, certain amount of things that they deal with struggles that most people don't, don't deal with, especially when you're famous, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and, and man, he, him and his, his, my, my mother-in-law, uh, they, I knew that they had tension, but at this moment, you know, that things were falling apart. My wife just said, hey, come to church. And, and, and they go to church that night, and Pastor Emilio sees him and says, oh, come on up. I want to pray for you. Bring your wife up. Let's pray for the two of you. He didn't know what was going on. And he laid hands on, he stood in between him and his wife, my mother-in-law, and he laid hands on both of them and blessed them. And I just listened to my father-in-law two days after his death, with tears streaming down his face, speak of the power of the Holy Spirit and that conviction wow. that fell. And it was in that moment that everything changed. His life changed, and he, and he rededicated himself to the Lord. And I sat next to my wife, who didn't know that it was because she reached out and brought him in. You know, it's those, wow. te it's those teeny little moments, um, and he... he he had an accident a few years later. He was struck by a motorcycle and took his leg, right? And so you have this man um, that has his whole life was about his presence, right? His stage presence, very animated, very, you know, it was, it was him. He was the show. And he lost his leg. And to watch him conquer his his greatest fear of being vulnerable in front of people right of 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 having a weakness in front of people and he did that 
and he came back. He came back from this accident. He got saved, came back from this accident, and began to give his life to the Lord. Right after he did that, uh, he wrote his first uh, Christian album of worship in Guarani and Spanish to the Lord. And, wow. and yeah, he is with Jesus right now. We, we, we miss him. Um, I, I've been having hard conversations with my children. My youngest son, he said, Dad, he asked me the question, Dad, why aren't we praying for him uh, to, to come back? You know, you, 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 you believe that, that, he can, that the Lord can do that, and just processing that with my children. And, but he's a great man, and he raised uh, four amazing children, my daughter being the first one, and, and I am the husband that I am because of him. Uh, I am, I, yeah, I am a father because of him and his investment, so I'm forever grateful. And he left behind uh, four children and a, a bunch of grandkids. Man, I should know the number. Um, and, and his wife, Mavi. And so, yeah, they are, yeah, it's still really fresh, as you can tell. I'm, I'm kind of stumbling through this. But, uh, yeah, Moosey and I, we're going to take a week and just, uh, just be together as a family right now. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. We remember him and oh, thank you, God. I just ask that you would um, you would just comfort um, Lucy and Will, all the kids, go grandkids, and Lucy's um, mom. Just all of them that you would comfort them, Lord, in this time. And I thank you, Father, that. You are going to just be such a, um, a loving comfort to this whole family. And Lord, we pray for, for the different families out there who are maybe loved ones are in another country. Yeah. And even those that they maybe they've had a loss and they can't get there. Holy Spirit, just like you crashed in on Lucy's mom and dad, as there was prayer going out, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, uh, to crush and to break in on people watching and comfort them, Lord. God, we know you can do every kind of miracle and anything. But Lord, right now, we just ask that you would just crash in. And I, I especially pray for people who are struggling in their marriages, yeah. Lord, where where they're, they're in the same house all mm. the time for weeks on end, and uh, they're together more than they're used to being together, and there's strains and stresses on them. And Lord, I just ask, just like you you broke in Holy Spirit on, on um, that couple, and you restored them, Holy Spirit, I just feel really strongly prophetically right now that God's just breaking in on marriages, that he's just causing uh, great grace and forgiveness to flow and love to flow again. Yeah. And I feel like the Lord is just um, out of this whole green room talk, like there's something he's just marking on, on marriages, that there's going to be such um, great healing and great, great compassion and great love flowing between husbands and wives yeah. and also between their children. Thank you, Jesus. And just bless Will and Lucy and the kids as they just take these days to to just be together and 
and to worship and pray and play and eat and laugh and remember um, the beautiful things they want to remember about Alberto and the family. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jesus. We thank love you. you so much, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and uh, Father, I just, I ask God um, in every marriage right now, in every every house, I know that there's tensions, God. I know that people are navigating something new, but I, but I see your hand in it. And Lord, I ask that you would draw people so close, God, that, that, that strength would come out, not weakness, not trial, not tribulation, God, but strength would come out of these amazing families that are watching. And Lord, anyone um, that's struggling just with healing and, and they've cried out for years, Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come and invade, invade their room right now, right now. I ask, even as they're nervous to maybe go to a hospital, they don't want to catch COVID, Lord, I ask Holy Spirit for that, that raw faith to rise up inside of each and everyone watching. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and just remove all sickness and disease, God, all sickness and disease yes. right now, uh, every, yes. every cell of cancer, uh, every bit of, yeah, leukemia, just whatever it is, God. And I ask that you would just touch people's bodies, their hearts, Lord. Every blood cell, will it will it come correct now in Jesus' name? And Lord, I, I just yes. thank you for your fire, your, your, your great grace, Lord, that covers each and every yes. person listening right now. And Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we love you, we trust you. And I just say, move as you have done so many times, move in their house, move in their car as they're listening to this. Just move and release yes. your great grace in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Oh, ah, awesome. I love you. You're great. Thanks, Will. Man, Thanks for sharing that was fun. I, I felt a little chatty. I apologize if I uh, droned on a little bit, but Oh, I, yeah. I love it. It was beautiful. And um, we only got through half the list. We'll have to do it again. <laughs> we'll do it again sometime.